Hello and welcome to the Identity Podcast right here on Find Your ID NYC, our Facebook page that is. So go ahead and like us on Facebook and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Find Your ID NYC. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page at The X Shows. I am your co-host, Caleb, and actually the only host for tonight's show. Unfortunately, Tyreek is not with us tonight, but very excited still for tonight's show. And don't forget to check out our podcast. You can check out our podcast on the Anchor Podcast app on Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're officially now on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and any more of your podcast apps out there as well. Unfortunately, we've had some technical difficulties on my part for camera-wise, so we're going to just try to do most of the show via audio, but I'm very excited for this week's show. We are beginning our November series. It is November 4th. We are beginning our November series uh, talking about religion, and I'm very excited to discuss what exactly we will be discussing every week, but also this week in particular. And this week's show in particular, we'll be talking about religious misconceptions. And I have our lovely special guest for this week, Cedra. Hi there. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Unfortunately, uh, this camera issue made me a little sad, but I'm I'm still happy to have you on the show. And I'm I'm very eager to get into this week's topic. No, it's okay. The glitches will happen. We can <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> that is very true. Well, Cedra, I would I would love for you to kind of get things going here. I would love for you to talk to us about who you are, what you do, and what exactly your religious identity is. Okay, so my name is Cedra Ashraf, as you guys know, and I am a full-time mom and a part-time YouTuber and TikToker. And when I started this whole thing, it actually even wasn't about religion at all or Islam. It was more so like a mommy channel because I was like a new mom and I just wanted to inform people about being a good mom. And through that, like I made a Wonderland video and then that blew up and that made people um, really notice me and notice my niqab and they were really like interested in what I was wearing. And then someone made a really like racist comment which to I replied and that also blew up and then people just started asking me these questions about the niqab and the hijab and there was so much curiosity out there that I didn't know about and that's when I took the route to educate people about Islam and what the niqab is all about. That's all on social media. As far as my personal identity is concerned, I am who I am because of my niqab. I wouldn't be myself without it. I did not wear it for at least like 23 years. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a part of me was missing, to be honest. Even though people think that it's oppressive, that it's limiting, that it's restricting to be all covered up, right? But in reality, I feel more liberated and I feel more free when I am covered up, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, that's... That's amazing, truly. And um, I, I think any time when an individual goes through something, as you said, a racist comment, um, I truly am, am deeply sorry to hear that. But I, I think hearing your story, what you just discussed there briefly, is true, <laughs> truly amazing. Like that, that's that's amazing. And and I think uh, knowing that you felt you felt like you were missing 
something that you you weren't your full self. I think it's uh I think it's really interesting to then relate this to your religious identity and simply your identity overall. And that's why I'm I'm so intrigued by this topic and and you willing to come on the show to discuss this because I think there's so much here that um I I know myself and I'm sure all of our listeners are definitely intrigued by as well. So please, please tell us more as far as your religious identity. When you, when you wake up in the morning, what exactly is your first thoughts when it comes to your identity? The first thought in the morning is that I am a Muslim. I'm a Muslim girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded that I am a conscious practicing Muslim person. So when I'm at the house, I'm not really like wearing the niqab or the hijab, correct? But mm-hmm. when I step outside of the house is when I really feel it, that people see me as a Muslim person. They automatically know that I my religion just like speaks out. Versus if I wasn't dressed like this, they wouldn't know what religion I am, right? So mm-hmm. with this, when I step out into the world, I feel like I am a representation of Islam. I'm a talking, walking representation of Islam, and I am an opportunity for people to come and ask me questions about it, or people can learn about my religion just by me simply living. That's that really is um, amazing, and I'm I'm very I'm so intrigued uh, by by your religion and everything. And, and so I'm, I'm probably going to ask some uh, maybe common questions, but I think it's also good for, um, for our, our viewers and our listeners as well. So when it comes to um, being Muslim, what, what exactly are you practicing? If you would like to discuss that. Sure. Um, so Islam means peace and a Muslim person is some, sorry, Islam is basically submission to one God. Mm-hmm. And you are literally submitting yourself to the will of God. And in Arabic, the word for God is Allah. So it's still, it's still the same God. So don't think that Arabs or Muslim mm-hmm. people have a different God or something, but it's still the same <laughs> God. And we literally just submit ourselves to him. So when we hear the Quran, when we read the Quran, Quran is the holy book for Muslims. Whatever is written in there, we listen and we obey and we follow it. And we believe that Islam is a complete way of life. And as a Muslim, I like to live my life according to every aspect of Islam there is. And the rulings are very intricate and very detailed down to the fingertips, down to how you should cut your nails. So it's literally like ingrained in every aspect of your life. So it's not just a religion. We say it's a way of life. So as a Mm -hmm. Muslim, everything that I do has like a deeper meaning behind it. I don't do things just to do things. Every single thing that I do, the way I eat, the way I talk, the way I sleep, the way I interact with Muslims and non-Muslims has a deeper meaning and a purpose behind it. That's... That is beautiful. And and so to say what, to take from what you said there, you are, this is not only your way of living, but this is your identity. So this is beyond just religious identity. This is your identity. Correct. And 
and that to me, and when I was first um, told uh, about you being confirmed for the show, this, this right there, just that simple, like maybe 10 worded sentence uh, <laughs> um, saying that this is what you wanted to talk about. I immediately thought, you know, this, this is really important to not only discuss, but to also realize that this is, this is exactly what the show is about this identity this sense of identity is everywhere identity is who we are this is it's what we're doing and so um for to, to kind of get a little bit more clarification as well you said you had 23 years um without wearing the niqab and, and so with that were you still practicing no i was not i was like um just your average person living my life i wasn't i knew that there was a god so i believed in god mm -hmm. but, and i did like cultural things and i did cer certain religious things as well here and there but i didn't do it because that was part of me or part of my identity it was just something that my family practiced and my family did so i took partake i i took part in it but after my dad passed away and that was when i was 21 that's when my life changed completely mm -hmm. and that's when i truly started asking the big questions of who i am what is the purpose of my life why am i here because up until that point i thought i knew who i was but turns out i really didn't so islam wasn't really part of my identity to the extent where it is now Wow, that is, again, I, I'm just so fascinated by everything that you're saying here in, in, in the subject. And um, I feel like there's so much research you can do, but at the same time, I think it's uh, it's an honor to be able to hear exactly um, about this religion, about this lifestyle, this way of life, and this identity from yourself. And so thank you. Thank you again for, for being willing to talk to us about this. Um, and I think this is a good way from you saying tw 23 years, correct? Correct. 23 years um, with not really living this life, um, we can then transition into the niqab itself. And so I know you wanted to come on the show to talk about these misconceptions about the niqab, about your religion, about your way of life. And so please tell us more about this. How, how exactly are these misconceptions kind of affecting you? So whenever people see anigabi the woman who wears anigabi or a face covering they automatically assume a bunch of things some of the most common things that i have heard so far are that she is oppressed um she's backward she's extreme um she's probably from the middle east or some arab country or southeast country and she doesn't know english uh, she's not educated She's forced to wear it by her husband or her father or some male figure in her family. Um, what else? Yeah, or she probably still wears it at home and she sleeps with it and people are like in awe of it. And a lot of people think that I am brainwashed, which is, it's all hilarious to me because mm -hmm. I know how I have lived my life and for me how it was a choice. But I do understand where these misconceptions are coming from because the media is portraying a certain image. Mm -hmm. and you see and you hear stories of women who are being forced to wear a niqab, right? 
but that's not the case for everyone. So that's the misconception that I try to clear up in my TikTok and in my YouTube videos as well. And even on a daily basis, when I meet with people, I feel like I have to be on the defense all the time and have to tell people that, look, I am happy, I am free, this is part of who I am. Like, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it's, I and I understand what you're saying as far as the, you understand certain misconceptions, but at the same time, it, it kind of goes into the whole um, period of why why are you why are you assuming ex exactly the the brainwashing um, misconception as you mentioned? What what exactly went through your mind when you when you read that particular thought? I just majority of the time, whenever a hate comment comes, I laugh it off and mm -hmm. I use humor. Like for example, one time someone told me to take the curtain off my face, right? Or no, they didn't say the face part. They just said, take the curtain off. So then I just made a video and I literally like in the curtain in my room, I just opened it. <laughs> so <laughs> I just take it like that. So one time someone is like, do you have a bomb? And I just pulled a spray out of my bag. <laughs> and I'm like, here, let me spray you with this Islamophobe spray to get everything. <laughs> So I just try to do it in a humorous way mm -hmm. because, and I feel like that way I can show them that as a Muslim, as a Muslim, I'm a kind hearted person, mm -hmm. even though what you have said is so ridiculous and so outrageous, I'm not going to stoop to your level and degrade you the same way you have degraded me. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to assume the best of you and I'm just going to handle it with grace because that's who I am, right? With or without the niqab, I have never been the type of person to be hateful towards someone who gives me hate. And this is coming from a person who has never ever experienced hate in my entire life in that way, like in religious way, right? Because I wasn't mm -hmm. religious. So when this started happening, my approach was humor and sass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that's beautiful and truly, um, truly very big of you to to react that way because I'm I'm certain that there are many that might not and so I'm kind of curious as to most um, most Muslims do you feel that they react similarly or maybe they react um, a different way oh definitely different way like even my personal close friends like even my own husband he gets offended easily like mm -hmm. by these comments and he's like you know how could you even how can you hear this and react this way like it definitely offends people on a deeper level so not everyone can have this thick skin and be like take it as a humor and mm -hmm. have this like uh, giving people benefit of the doubt it's not easy right for me i'm just like because i've been on the other side of living my life freely and i myself had also assumed some things about people who wear the niqab i'm guilty mm -hmm. because of that i understand where these people are coming from because the unknown scares us what we don't know and it scares us especially if you're constantly being told on the media that muslims and the women who wear the niqab are a certain way and if that's the only narr narrative that's that you have heard it's kind of hard for you to assume otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. 
I think it Def takes a rare person to think differently. I completely agree with that statement, and 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 I definitely agree. I think um I think today's society, especially, um it it feels like you kind of have to take things with a grain of salt, um of sort that that old saying. And so I'm I'm curious as far as the way you react to events and and phrases and words of these nature. Do you feel that with what you do with being a YouTuber and getting into TikTok, being a TikToker, as they they say now. Um, <laughs> do, do you feel that this has maybe influenced or affected uh, your reactions towards um, any sort of hatred? Um, what exactly do you mean? Just exactly as in, do you feel with with using such as YouTube and TikTok, do you feel that um, this, when you get a comment, do you feel that your instant reaction to using humor is, is be, how, how should I say this? Um, actually, we do have a comment. Um, do you feel wearing the hijab commands a certain level of respect when dealing with the opposite sex? I, I think that's what I was trying to get into. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you feel wearing the hijab commands a certain level of respect when dealing with the opposite sex? Um, absolutely. For me personally, I'm reminded constantly that I'm a Muslim and I'm a Muslim woman. So the niqab is like a shield for me to keep my distance at a certain level. Mm -hmm. And other, I've noticed that guys in general, they treat me very differently versus how they used to treat me. Like before I used to wear the niqab, they would tap me lightly and we would hug or we would like even shake hands and it would be completely normal. But as a Muslim woman wearing the niqab, they keep their distance. They don't offer a handshake. They don't tap. And when I'm walking, they kind of like move even further away to give me space. Because as Muslim women and men, we're not supposed to like touch each other unless it's mm -hmm. your husband and like sort. So in that way, I feel like they respect me. Mm -hmm. and they give me my distance in other ways i feel like they're not looking at me like a sex object and there is nothing to look at besides my eyes so they just mm -hmm. focus on my brain they focus on my intelligence and they really truly listen to my words instead of being distracted by the beauty of my features or my curves or anything like that mm -hmm. that's that really is really is intriguing. I'm I'm still trying to put my words together here, and, and I feel that it's definitely weird being audio format. I feel like it it makes me <laughs> makes me have to to think harder sometimes. Um, as far as this question in particular that Omani did ask, um, I really like this question, and and. I, I'm just, I'm just so fascinated. I really am. I'm so fascinated by the <laughs> this entirety of this this topic for this week's show. And if you folks, if if you do hear me, take a minute to think. It's because I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything because this is a complete different culture, complete different identity from what I'm used to, and from maybe what I see on a daily basis and everything. And so. Um, by all means, if you have anything um, that you would like to say, uh, Sidra, please, please, by all means, say so. Uh, I, I think with this question, 
Um, do you feel in you probably, I'm probably just backtracking here, but as far as um, this level of respect, do you feel like you have more confidence now than you did those 23 years that you weren't wearing the niqab? Oh, 100%. Definitely. Like, I think someone asked me this question in my live earlier on TikTok, and I <laughs> mentioned it that. It's a really, really great question, really mm -hmm. great question, because um, so I, when I was in a niqabi, I used to wear makeup. So this is not for everyone. Like for me personally, I did not feel beautiful without makeup. Mm -hmm. Makeup made me feel really pretty because it's just how I was programmed into thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And once I started wearing the niqab, I still wear makeup at, you know, around the house or sometimes even under my niqab, but I don't have to, right? And now, like, I stopped wearing it when I started wearing the niqab, and I finally accepted myself the way I was, like, the raw self without makeup. And I was like, I can still be beautiful. And to now when I wake up every morning, I feel like makeup was a huge thing. My hair was a huge thing. I feel like I can still be beautiful even in sweats, even without getting dressed up. And mm -hmm. that really escalated my confidence like to another height. And again, I used to get a lot of attention and like God blessed me with beauty. So not it <laughs> <beat> or anything. <laughs> but okay, so good looking people in this world can get away with a lot of things. Would you agree with that? Say that one more time. Good looking people in this world can get away with a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely yeah, agree yeah. with that statement. <laughs> like at the same time, if certain people have advantages over, you know, they tend to get away with a lot of things. So that was me. <laughs> I got I got, I got away with a lot of stuff in my life just because of the way I looked and just because of the way I dressed. Now I wasn't prerogative mm -hmm. in my dressing. I was still modest, mm -hmm. but just my hair and my beauty like really like opened doors for me. So my Confidence was definitely high as it is, mm -hmm. but now with the niqab, it needed to be tweaked in a whole another way. So now my personality outshined even more, my voice, and I started articulating my words even more because now people were truly paying attention to how I talked and how I carried mm -hmm. myself versus, oh, cool, she's a pretty girl. We don't have to pay attention to anything else. So now I really like, I feel like my confidence level definitely went even higher, but in a more authentic way. That's, I, I <laughs> am unfortunately have to agree with that statement as the question that you asked, but, <laughs> yeah, but it's true. <laughs> it, yeah, it really is. And it's, uh, it definitely shows the flaws in our system. Um, I, I think, uh, that, that really is really really fascinating to me i for for many reasons but what i'm what i'm kind of curious by and and this is kind of a, i guess a two part three part question of sorts that we can we can kind of go in stages but this first part of the question when it comes to um wearing the the niqab and, and um you say you have this this new sense of confidence do you feel that it was a one day thing, a very short period of time where this this confidence came about, or do you feel that it was it was kind of a slow, 
a slow period and for you to realize that you you are beautiful and, and that you you have you possess this confidence if that made any sense yeah it totally made sense and it, it wasn't a one-day thing because initially when i started wearing it i felt very self-conscious because now i'm getting attention more of a negative attention i started getting more negative attention with the nikabon than a positive one mm -hmm. so now when people looked at me i was very self-conscious in the beginning i was kind of nervous you know to go out and even eat in public because that took practice mm -hmm. so it, it it evolved over time for me to finally like embrace myself fully and realize that okay the benefits started like kicking in a few weeks later where i'm like wow this is really nice i like this lifestyle lifestyle i like the way i am perceived in the world with this i like being a representation of islam and just internally i felt like my personality was shining my face started glowing more mm -hmm. this because protection from the sun's rays or something <laughs> it also had like spiritual effects right because this is done for a religious reason, mm -hmm. when you do something for a religious reason, we believe that God puts lots of blessing in it. So I feel like all of this personality changes and this new confidence came from God directly. And with the niqab, with me doing something to obey God, spiritually affected me. And it just overall, it happened. It definitely wasn't in like one day or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um... I didn't assume for it to be, but I definitely wanted to to ask. And I believe Tyreek, oh, he just left. Ah, he, he joined us real quickly. Um, hopefully he'll be back. <laughs> um, but we actually do have another question, and then we'll continue with kind of my, my two-part, three-part phrases of questions. Yeah. But uh, Amani says, ask again, what common practices do you feel have changed in Muslim culture now in comparison to 20 to 30 years ago? And we're going to welcome Tyreek back on the stream here. Sorry, guys. Hello, hello. How are you? Hello. <laughs> um, so, I guess we'll all have our cameras off. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little new to this. I, uh, yeah. If you want. I'm having some camera difficulties, unfortunately. So we decided no to just go full on audio for this, <laughs> for oh, this week's show. <laughs> Well, I'm just coming for my gig, guys, and I appreciate it. I wanted to uh, hear this question's answer. <laughs> so, <laughs> practices do you feel have changed in Muslim culture now in comparison to 20 to 30 years? That's a, so, a Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, okay. So, Muslim, um, Islam is a religion, so it's not a culture. And so, Muslim are the people who practice Islam. So, mm -hmm. the question could be like changed in Islam now in comparison to 20, 30 years. So we believe Islam has never changed and it never will. So it stays consistent. It mm -hmm. doesn't change with time or with culture or it just stays consistent. The culture and the people have to change in accordance to Islam, but Islam in itself and the rulings and the way it is practiced does not change. It can adjust meaning for example, like right now with COVID, we can't go to the mosque to pray. So mm -hmm. we can pray at the house. It can change in that regard. But in the basic fundamental principles remain the same, if that makes sense. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Most... yeah. Oh, go ahead, Tariq. 
Yeah, no, it definitely makes I don't know if you guys can you guys hear me by the way? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you can kind of pivot it in two different ways, no? Um I, I guess I'll give them a little bit of my background too. Uh, so I come my family's from the nation of Islam. Um so um they're very big in Harlem and you know, just to give some of our viewers a little catch up and stuff on my little life. Um, so I've honestly, I have seen Islam practice around me for a long time in my life. But I'm sure there's different sects between Sunni and Shiite, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, as well as, I like what you you highlighted as far as people. I think that's so interesting to say because even like whatever you wear is an identity or some sort of cultural identity to what we're, we're dealing with. But the actual religion and the laws that we follow is always law, right? It, you agree, right? It's always, it's always the law. Um, but I do feel like sometimes uh, the interpretations have changed, especially coming from, I don't know, a much more a stronger feminist perspective. So can you attest to some things like that or? Yeah, maybe new interpretations have been added. For example, like phones didn't exist back then. So there were no laws regarding it, but now there are phones. So then, with new technology and with new things implemented into Islam, people like the scholars will come together and they will come up with the new rulings. So if you're talking about it in that regard, then they will still go back to the Quran and the Hadith, which are the sayings and the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad So they will still go back to that and then try to find the rulings and try to fit the narrative into whatever the topic is being discussed. But the principles will still like stay, stay the same. Yes, that's 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 great. <laughs> I guess that's a kind of a good thing for sure. Uh, because yeah, I, I mean, my, my question, my question is, is is the vote? How how does the voting work? Is it like a? It's obviously referenced with scripture, but is it is it a, is it like an actual voting process? I'm I'm a little blank on that. Um, so it's not really a voting process. It's basically there. It's like president. So like you can, um, when it comes to rulings, you can look at it from like a law court system, how there are presidents set in place. And then the new cases come and then people will, the lawyers will still look in the history to see if there's been a case like this before and refer to those and go from that. I don't know if I'm making any sense at no, all. No, that makes sense. <laughs> and then the Quran would be the Constitution. And, exactly. Or, you know, I, I understand. Yeah, I understand. exactly. I guess, I guess even with our own uh, jury system, um, I guess it has a lot to do with who's judging and who's actually in your jury. So I, I, I really want to make sure that there's a lot more. I, I understand that there's a, a bit of, and forgive me for um, any insults, but sometimes there's a bit of a bit of a patriarchy coming in from some of these rulings. Such as which uh, one? That's mostly because a lot, a like, a lot like what's going on. In our... Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like in, in our particular country, we're dealing with the same thing, and there's a lot of seats that need to be filled um, of different voices and different, you know, Agreed. creeds. Yeah. And, you know, so. Definitely agree. I feel like we need definitely need more um, female scholars. We need more female voices to come in and talk. And even my Mufti, like the one that I follow, he personalizes like his school. His main goal is for him to get as many female scholars as out there. So educate as many female scholars. So that way we have more female scholars to give voice into Islam as well. Because it has been for the longest time a male narrative, right? 
from right. generations to generations to generations. Right. It's always been the male scholars voicing their opinions, but now Precisely. things are gonna change. Well, last time, what was like? What was his name? My mufti. Yes. A mufti Samir Wahid. Okay, that's but awesome. Shout out to him. Alhamdulillah <laughs> for everything he's doing for sure. He's yeah, gonna make a big sure. change for sure. Do we have any other questions, Caleb? Um, not unless you have one. <laughs> I'm just jumping in. I'm I'm literally. I just I'm so glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> some of the stuff that I was hearing just in backstage was like I was like, wow. I'm kind of mad I missed this one a little bit, but I'm, I'm all ears. I'm all ears about what's you're here what's, now. Yes, indeed, indeed. I, what did what was discussed earlier? Maybe I could kind of figure that out a little bit, and then we can run from there. Yeah. So we really talked about um, just really this this entirety uh, of identity when it comes to Islam and um, the Muslim culture. It, well, and, and identity, the the religion. That's what we were really. Um, discussing and then briefly before you hopped on we were talking about the the niqab and kind of the misconceptions that um go with that and also talking about sidra's um journey and because she did have spent spent 23 years of her life where she was not practicing um and it really is it really is fascinating that that's awesome that's actually where i was going to go to with that um I'm very sorry. Something's passing by very loud. Um, <laughs> I'm curious why? Why now? Why now? So yeah. I was talking to, um, or I was talking to him earlier, and I was telling him that it's because my dad passed away. So when my dad passed away at the age of 21, that's when I started asking the big questions. I started asking, "Who is God? What is the purpose of my life? What should I do?" Like where did my dad go? And I was really curious, like I knew who Allah was, like I knew there was Allah, I knew there was a God, but I wasn't really serious into it. So when my dad passed away, that's when I seriously started asking these questions and I started researching and just really going hard into it. And slowly, slowly, slowly over the course of few years, I eventually got to the point where I am today. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I think we're constantly on this journey of defining ourselves. Um, For sure. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, this is like, you're definitely the burgeoning topic for our religious um, conversations. And I, I, I think that you've kind of approached in a definite, a deep way. Um, I think it, it, it's a lot like um, Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad's journey as well. And all the things he had to lose to get to, you know, a higher knowledge or even not feeling like he was capable to be used by Allah. And I think that's very, very big, um, very big. So I, I'm sure you have great things. Are you, um, are you interested in becoming a scholar yourself? I was, yeah. After I graduated from college, I actually just did not want to go into the corporate world. I rejected the job that I got and I went straight to Madrasa and I studied, studied for a year but then for some personal issues, I had to stop and then I got married. So I am not a scholar as of right now. My husband is and I do plan on going back to school and eventually finishing my studies. So hopefully, inshallah, God willing. That's awesome. I think we have another question, actually. We do. And uh, Amani asks, do you think it's possible to be a, fem a feminist and a Muslim woman? Absolutely. The first woman to convert to Islam, 
I don't know if I could say she's a feminist, but she was a headstrong woman. She was a businesswoman. And she proposed to Muhammad So in those days, she is the ultimate feminist, in my opinion, because she did something in that society where she went up to the man and she's like, hey, I want to marry you. What do you think, you know? In today's society, there are women who can't do that, <laughs> that they feel like, oh, I can't like, go up to a man and propose. <laughs> and on top of that, she's a successful business owner, not just a business owner, but a successful business owner. On top of that, majority of our religion, majority of the Hadith, the narrations that are being that are recorded in history is by a woman. So it's one of his wives, um, Aisha anha, anha. She has recorded the most narration and Islam was spread through her narration. So to this day, so definitely I, I consider myself a feminist. And in Islam, Islam is more about equity than equality. So each gender, man and woman, have their roles and their responsibilities to fulfill. And they're both honored in Islam, but a woman's status is much, much, much higher. And a woman can most definitely go out, get a job, be successful, have her own business. She can stand shoulder to shoulder with a man in this world. She's not subordinative. She's not the second class citizen that people claim her to be in Islam. I agree. I agree. I love that story in the sense that, I mean, he was pretty much at his financial wit's end, and then she kind of took him in with her wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So all you queens out there who feel like yes. you are, yeah, exactly. You definitely can pick your husband. I believe that is possible. And, um, I, and I always say, like in Islam, it's actually like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala have has made it a man's responsibility for him to work and provide for the family but for a woman it's optional if she wants to work she can and if she doesn't want to work she doesn't have to and then there's the saying and it applies to every muslim woman out there that what his money is her money and her money is her money like he can't even ask her about her money whatever she earns that's her money she doesn't have to answer to anyone but a man when he earns he has to answer to the wife. And I find that so beautiful. <laughs> I think it is too. Uh, a counter argument, and I was actually talking to someone about this today. Um, he's from Yemen and he, he describes, he described that he, um, he ha can have up to four wives. Now, I, we, a lot of people in the store were very disgusted <laughs> by him and a bunch of other stuff. Like, it was very funny. But I, I really uh, was intrigued by where he was coming from. He's like, yes, in Islam, we're allowed to have four wives, but you're only allowed to have that if you're able to take care of them equally, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So I, I believe that, you know, <laughs> it's definitely not the man's world that it's been painted to be, for sure. It's like, it's if you have that much power, then you've got to be you got to be supported by a bunch of super empress queens with you, <laughs> inshallah. So um, I'm curious. So when, after you started to, you know, practice Islam and realize what Allah meant to you, um, how did that affect your success or your entrepreneurship? I felt like I had a lot more doors opened because I was a practicing Muslim and he opened a lot more doors for me financially, um, emotionally, physically, I just felt stronger in the world. 
I felt like I could walk out in the world without a fear, like, because I felt like I was on the right path, or I'm still on the right path, hopefully, right? So with that, as a Muslim woman, freely expressing myself, free from the shackles of society, free from the societal norms of how to dress, and how to talk, and how to behave, I had literally God guiding me in every step of my way. And that truly like transformed my life, my conduct with other people. I was talking to him earlier, telling him that the way I interact with Muslims and non-Muslims, the way we conduct business, every aspect of that is controlled by Islam. Not controlled in that sense, but it's guided by Islam. So I saw so much success in my personal affairs and in my financial affairs and I felt like doors were opening for me that were never there before and that's more like spiritually and I just can't explain how that's possible but it it happened oh that's that's the identity podcast that's what we're going to be dealing with all month um, these unexplainable <laughs> events that come from within right Caleb I mean yeah, I, exactly no look at me now where am I I'm here on a pad podcast with you guys and I don't think that would have been possible without my Islamic, without my Muslim identity. Because look, now it's all tying in. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing what what um, the way everything works together and, and just how things happen. And exactly here you are on, on the podcast, and here we are hosting you on the podcast and being able to discuss your journey and everything that you're doing. And we actually do have a, a, a quick comment here, but I also have a question. Um, and I think this might be one of the most important questions. Now, you said that you you um, really started off with kind of YouTubing, being a YouTuber, and now TikToking as well. Um, and you you started doing a lot of sort of mother practices, correct? Sorry, mother practices in what sense? Um, just as... Um, you kind of had like a YouTube page based off um, being a mother. Yeah. Is, yes. Yeah, that's how it started off. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, and then from that, I'm kind of curious, how have you taken Islam and, and really, and you can probably say this as far as you and your husband as well with your children, how, how have you been able to raise them up with this and how, how have you been able to kind of teach them? So my daughter right now is two, <laughs> so she's not that old, that she's the only one <laughs> I have. But I do get questions about if I'm ever going to force her to wear it, what mm -hmm. I'm wearing. What if she decides that she wants to be part of the LGBTQ plus community? What if she wants to leave Islam? Like, what are you going to do? I have a lot of people asking me th these questions. And my answer is always the same. It's her choice. Because my parents gave me freedom of choice when it comes to religion, they never forced the hijab on me, never forced the niqab on me, never forced me to pray or do any of those things. And I feel like because of that, I was able to find my own path and I was able to connect with God in my own special way. And now I cherish what I have. And I want to implement the same type of practices with my daughter and with my future children that later on, if they decide they want to be part of a certain community, I'm not going to disown them i'm not going to force them into something else i'm going to let them express themselves the way they want to express themselves because i feel like when people do that they'll come back to exactly what they need to be in their life and they'll be happy and with religion especially you can't force it upon anyone 
And my thing is that when it comes to hijab, which is mandatory upon Muslim women when they reach puberty, so I will tell her right from wrong. I will tell her according to the religion that we practice, my husband and I, correct? And if she decides to practice the same religion as us, we would be more than happy. And if she doesn't, we would still be there for her as a support, guiding her, or not guiding, because only God can guide, just like telling her right from wrong. But at the end, it's up to God, and he's going to decide how she will be guided. And we're not responsible for her sins, and she's not responsible for our sins. Everyone is accountable for their own actions in this world. That's what we believe. Right. And that's what we're going to leave it at. <laughs> yeah, you own your own haram, right? Uh, but I, I, um, I love the way you put that. I mean, I don't know if Caleb, you had something to follow up with that, but that's, it's a lot of self-identity in there, um, freedom of choice. I mean, there's so much beauty in that. Um, it's so tragic and um, God rest his soul that this had to happen to your father to initiate your, um, you know, coming to Allah. But who knows what, you know, Allah has in store for your child, you know, or whatever that may be over time. You know, um, there's so much that is out of our control. And I think that as we enter into this religious conversations, I think the religious tolerance or just kind of getting out of religion and like learning how to make these aspects of like what you described as a culture, things that are somewhat immovable and make them closer to who you are and practice them. You know, I, a lot of it is discipline, but some of it is also identifying with things that have always been a part of you. I mean, do you think that there's some qualities that have been heightened since you've converted to Islam or um, some things that about you that you now see is much more of a, a power, you know? Yes. I. So I've always been outspoken my entire life and I wanted to be an actress. So like now being on TikTok and being on YouTube, I'm able to express myself. Like my family's always said, I'm a talker. <laughs> I can never stop talking. And I feel like that has heightened in a more polished way where I'm able to spread the message. I'm able to educate others. I'm able to do something I love in a much more profound way with, my, with serving my religion and being true to myself. So my talking ability has definitely heightened in that way. We definitely thank you for that because this podcast would be really lame if you did. <laughs> we appreciate your voice and, and, and your perspective so much. Um, that's, that's awesome. So you're saying you, you wouldn't actually, do you sell to children uh, with your product particularly? Or four children rather, not two children. <laughs> Right now, I don't have anything that I'm selling currently. Oh, okay. I just have my merchandise, my Ninja Mommy merchandise that I launched. But other than that, I will have maybe later on in the future, maybe have some massage and hijabs and stuff. But that's way in the future. Let's see how it goes one day at a time. But right mm -hmm. now, I don't have any business on the side. I'm just doing like, I'm a full-time mom. I like to devote my time with my husband and my kids. And like the YouTube and TikTok is more of a, side hobby you can say that's turning slowly into my full-time job <laughs> but for now it's part-time and i'm enjoying it i'm just enjoying the process hello oh, i'm sorry <laughs> that's awesome that's super awesome i mean normally i think that it's it's almost sometimes frowned upon um maybe it's a cultural thing but i love that you embrace your feminism on top of your womanhood, on top of being a mother. 
and and it all goes back to Allah. So it's it's beautiful. I really think that that's something that can definitely be taught and 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 shared with, and that can even be something that you give to people. Um, I haven't got a chance to look at your TikTok, so I would love to see that. I mean, is it what what is it what um. What inspires you when you wake up to do a TikTok? I guess is really my biggest question. Uh, what inspires me are the people who, um, it's truly the people and their curiosity and their willingness to learn and their willingness to educate themselves. Because in my real life experiences, I had a few non-Muslims, like in college and in university, I did like Baba, or I did where I would answer questions for non-Muslims. And there were few people who were interested in that, but seeing it on a bigger scope, seeing so many people out there that are interested in Islam, that think that have these misconceptions that they were brought up thinking that Islam is evil and it's just a terrorist religion and you know they degrade women. So seeing all these thinking that people had, and then they tell me these stories that before I saw you on TikTok, I used to have these misconceptions and because of you, those misconceptions are cleared up. And then there are people who are saying that you brought me back to my faith. And then people who are saying that I was interested in Islam and I converted because of you. Those people are the ones that keep me coming back for more and more. It's like a rush that the more people understand, the more people are like, yes, I get it now. The women are not portrayed like this, that Islam is not just a terrorist religion. There's more to it than what the media has portrayed. And I love being that voice. I love that I'm, I'm able to do that for other people. And that drives me. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, Caleb, anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, as as I've said over and over again, I'm I'm literally just sitting here with my jaw kind of um, on on the on the floor right now because it's it's amazing um, everything hearing about this and and learning something new really and and that's why I love about this show is I'm able to learn something new every single week every single Wednesday that is and so um, it really has been just fascinating to hear this and from what you're what you've been saying it, it's um, to me, it's so neat to hear about these other identities, how people identify themselves in different ways, and how even though we are we're we're living life and we're we're living um we're a whole we're all doing the same thing um which is living, we are completely living different lives at the same time and we have these different identities and we are we are wearing different clothes and we are practicing different religions and and we are um one person's riding a bike and another's walking you know whatever it may be um it, it's it's just it's fascinating to hear this really i, I don't think i have a question more of just yeah. simply simply just utter Amazingness. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, I, I believe we actually do have a question. I want yeah. to ask you guys something. What is what was one of the misconceptions that you have had about Islam? You can be brutally honest. Ooh. Uh, that you would like for me to clear up. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly uh, I'm sorry. I honestly don't have I don't have much misconceptions, I guess, because I'm 
I have been in it since, you know, I was young as well. But I've often, I, I, this is actually the first I'm hearing from a, an active practicing Muslim woman, other than like my aunts and stuff, um, at least of our own age group, who are willing to submit to some of the much, it seems like, um, much harder things that will be secularism, you know. Um, I was going to kind of bring up in the fact of like, how would you feel growing up in America as opposed to a traditional Muslim country, you know, and what those ideals would actually be shaped as. Um, so a lot of my friends are from here or born here, and they taught me about what it is to be here and what it means to be Muslim, you know, in a, a much more free um, country. I guess it's kind of free, but I was going to actually tackle some of the things that are going on in France as well, um, as far as what's been going on with the persecution. But there's like there's some places that don't allow that and there's some places that are very big on it and there's some places that are very neutral. So I guess my misconception is how much of it is dogmatic and how much of it has been choice. And I think you've kind of answered a lot of that for me, for sure. Yeah, true. Like, I feel like it's definitely easier, even with all the racism and discrimination and religious discrimination, it is still easier for me to practice my religion. Like I grew up in America. So for me, to practice it in the South, in Georgia, it was easier for me to do that than it was back home in Pakistan. Because I am like the only Nikabi in my entire family. And it was even a shock for my own family that I wanted to, like Tariq said, that take practice some of the harder stuff, right? That is not common. It's not a common practice. Common. So even in Pakistan, it's not a common practice for people to cover their face. It's more so just not even the hijab. They loosely put it on their head. Even though it's a Muslim country, um, you would think that would, they would be super religious. No, it's like the, quite the opposite. It's really? Just, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There's a misconception. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like when I went back, my family was like, wait, so you're going to cover even in front of your aunt's like husband? Wait, you're going to cover your face entire time? You're going to wear the abaya even at the house? Aren't you feeling hot? So this is def this is everywhere, guys. It's not just that if I go to a Muslim country, people are more accepting of it. It's not the case. <laughs> because I am a minority within a minority. So it's definitely hard. So in America, I feel like non-Muslims, they're really accepting and they're understanding of it. And at least the people who are interested in learning about other religions, they're like, okay, this is cool. We are going to let her do her thing. But if I was in France, that would definitely be a jihad on its own. It would be really difficult because of the trying to follow their country's law versus trying to practice your own religion. It would be difficult. But Alhamdulillah, I'm really grateful that I did grow up in America because I feel like I was able to practice my religion freely there and do my thing. Looks like we lost uh, Tyreek again, but no, that, that is, that really is. And, and as far as my, my side, um, I don't, I don't think I really have any misconceptions more of just simply trying to get a, a good understanding. Um, really. Um, I, again, you know, you can, you can only do so much via Google searches and, and, and knowing different things, whether it be from a class you've taken or, or in college or whether, whatever it may be, you can, you can only go so far. And, and to be able to um, hear and listen to you um, has really 
I think any questions that I might have had at first has immediately answered those questions for me, or um, you you have simply been able to, uh, I guess, wash away any of the uh, misconceptions that that could have been um, in my mind um, <laughs> at, at, at at the time. But <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I don't I don't really feel that I've had any misconceptions. It was more of just trying to understand Islam more, I think. Um, and, and I think that goes for any culture. Um, obviously, you can have misconceptions, but I, I think the overall thing, I, I suppose, is simply just trying to... Lost my train of thought. Sorry, <laughs> simply just trying to have this uh, this understanding overall. Uh, we actually do have a couple uh, questions and comments. Um, such an interesting podcast, and I would definitely say that Pakistan is definitely less accepting than Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the ha ha at the end. Uh, um, and then Amani asked another question: What are some of your favorite modest fashion designers? I know we've kind of uh, talked about that a little bit. So um, honestly, I'm new to this whole thing because I've only started wearing the abaya, which is the loose garment that I wear for a year. Mm -hmm. so I don't know of any like famous uh, fashion designers, but I have like few stores. Like I love Modernisa and I like Sunnah Styles niqabs. They're so mm -hmm. amazing. I like Lala hijabs, hijabs, like their tie-dye hijabs are to die for. So there's just certain like companies that I, I don't know if they're, are like the high-end fashion designers in Saudi. I don't think I can afford those yet. <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> but yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> but for now, I just like buy my abayas from like local stores online, mm -hmm. just local Muslim stores around. Well, I, I think um, I think we can both agree that that that's a great thing because always shopping local is a a great a great thing, a great method to practice. Um, and I, I think we all wish we could afford sometimes afford the uh, the more expensive pieces <laughs> and garments of, of whatever it may be. Uh, but that that one was day, a one day when I make it big on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe one day you can um you can you can start to start to do that on YouTube. That that was a great question, Re really fascinating. Um, as far as as we kind of wrap up, uh tonight's show it, it doesn't even feel like an hour um it's been it really has been such a such a great um such a great great topic to dive divulge in and to discuss and so um i feel like we as, as i mentioned before we started the show we always have a question that we ask and i feel like we've really already kind of tackled this question throughout the entirety of the show but if you want to give a quick brief um, statement or whatever it may be. Um, how do these misconceptions affect your I identity? Let's just change it to identity overall. I, because that, that's kind of what we've um, really discovered is the fact that we are no longer, uh, we, we can't really say just religious identity, but we can say identity for, um, for Islam. For me, these misconceptions have made my identity even stronger mm -hmm. and it made me feel like who I am even stronger and I've learned more about myself through them and my character and how I, ha how I have handled these things with humor have really shown to me what kind of a person, what kind of person I am. Mm -hmm. 
and mm-hmm. how I am in certain situations. So it's shaped my entire personality and my identity, not just religious, but in general. And it's made me understand who I am to a deeper level. And I love that. That is truly, truly just poetic and, and beautiful. Just to... no, 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 Caleb, you're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a very... Um, gracious person. <laughs> I I love to I love to tell people, you know, just how brilliant they really are. And so seriously, that that I I think it is absolutely amazing to hear your story and and to hear the confidence that you possess and and to hear when you were talking earlier the the way you react um from different situations to kind of go with a with a humor take of, of sorts to me is, is really, really brilliant because that that's something, as you said, not a lot of people um, would necessarily take that approach. And so I, I think it really shows um, who you are. It shows your identity, which yeah. again, that full circle back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, that is, uh, we actually have another question, all kinds of questions, which is great to hear. Uh, and this is, this is actually for you, Ninja Mommy. I wanted to know through your journey of Islam video on YouTube, do you feel that you have found your identity as a Muslim versus how you were before? For sure. For sure. hundred percent Mabina. I am a stronger Muslim now. I feel like I am a Muslim now. Before (laughs) I was like just living my life, just doing my thing, just your average Joe person. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was a Muslim by name before, and now I'm a Muslim in this entirely. I feel like I can definitely improve a lot more because no one's perfect and I'm never going to reach perfection, but I'll definitely strive for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly struggling. And like Tariq mentioned, that it's a lifelong journey. And but I do feel like I can proudly call myself a Muslim. I proudly call myself a Muslim now than I could before. Again, that is, seriously, that was that was beautiful. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just keep saying the same thing, but I, seriously, it, it really is. And um, thank you, thank you, Sidra, for for coming on to the show and for telling us who you are for telling us your identity and and not holding back and, and just being able to be completely honest with us um, and to show your confidence I, even though we are we are connecting just via audio here every word you said tonight I have been able to identify your confidence and it's so obvious that you love, who you are, you love your identity, you you live, you breathe through your identity. And, and that to me not only is beautiful, but at the same time just shows that that is how we should be living. You're too kind, Caleb. Thank you so much for having me. You were a wonderful host for my first podcast. You handled it so well. I don't know if I did the best of job answering all the questions. <laughs> and But for my first podcast, this was an amazing experience. And I'm so grateful that I had a wonderful, wonderful host like you and Terry. <laughs> you guys are both awesome. So thank you. Thank you for hosting me. You guys are so cool. 
<laughs> well, thank thank you so much, and and you're too kind because um, I, and I again I apologize to you and also to all of our all of our viewers and our listeners for the lack of video. Um, I think I might have fixed the problem. I think it was a simple error on on my behalf. So hope hopefully that will work um next week. But <laughs> um, but thank thank you again for for coming on the show, and we will plug your Instagram real quick. Don't forget to follow uh, your social media accounts, Instagram being ninja.mommy. Um, correct, right? I, I believe I... Yes, um, yes. That, yes, that is your your Instagram username tag, whatever you want to call it. And do you have anything else that you would like to plug as well? Any social medias? Yes, my TikTok is the same, ninja.mommy. And also my YouTube is ninja.mommy and Snapchat. Well, don't worry about Snapchat. <laughs> but, <laughs> there's YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> you guys can follow me because I do more lives like these. So you guys can like, you know, do like we can do a podcast on my life. <laughs> <laughs> See that? That's a great idea. It's podcasts. And that's that's one of the great things about podcasts. There, there are so many different methods and ways you can you can create a podcast. It's so simple. That's why everyone's doing it. And it it's uh it's such a it's such a great way to dissect and, and discuss a topic. And yeah. so um, really, really fascinating. I'm definitely going to go like all of your social media pages. Um, and I hope you, <laughs> well, thank you seriously. And I hope, I hope all of our listeners and our viewers do the same. Um, do you have anything else you would like to talk about before we wrap up? I would just like to say that thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Imani, for the wonderful questions that you asked. <laughs> I loved it. I loved your questions. Thank you, Mabina, for the wonderful questions that you asked. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed this. And I feel like, I don't know if this is a stretch, but I feel like I even truly found my identity even more through this podcast. And I got to, like, you know, really practice my skills of talking to other people and talking one-on-one -on -one and discussing more about Islam because I haven't done it in a two-way conversation. It's <laughs> been like a one-way one conversation. So I really enjoyed this experience and it has taught me so much and I, I'm really grateful for it. Well, thank you for that. That is such, that is such an amazing compliment to hear. Um, really really and as we wrap up um thank you again for coming on the show and thank you for everyone who has tuned in for this week's show of the identity podcast brought to you by find your id nyc once again you can like us on facebook right here at find your id nyc and you can follow us on instagram by the same name don't forget to subscribe to our youtube page at the x shows and you can check out our identity podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Anchor Podcast app, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any podcast app you can think of, we're on there now, which is awesome. Um, so definitely check us out there uh, this for this weekly podcast. Once again, I am one of your co-hosts, Caleb. Unfortunately, uh, Tyreek is not on again, but that's okay. I'm sure he'll he'll hop on as soon as we end. Um, he'll be like, oh, I'm back. And oh, well. Uh, but uh, thank you again, Sidra, for, for everything, for coming on the show. Um, as we wrap up next week's show, very excited. We're continuing our November series of really tackling religion. And we're going to be talking about religious advocacy um, featuring Ira uh, Demirovich, I hope I do pronounce that uh, correctly, and I, it, 
very excited to hear what she has to say. Um, she is actually the founder of an organization titled Social Advocacy for Equality. And so we're really going to be talking about advocacy with religion and how those tie in together. So I'm very excited for next week's show. Once again, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, this week, an exception, but so grateful to have you on the show. Thank you for making that exception, guys. Like my daughter's bedtime is seven. That's why we had to move it to eight. Caleb <laughs> and everyone, you guys were so, so understanding about that. I appreciate it. Of course. We're, we're fairly flexible and, and to have you on the show is all we really want. So if we had to do Thursday at 3 a.m., we would <laughs> we would stomach it. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, again. Uh, we will catch you next week. And don't forget to to check out more of the Identity Podcast. We're really, we're really starting to grow out there. We have just been announced on NewsHanger.com. We are number two on the top 25 self-identity and awareness podcast you must follow in 2020. That That's really, really amazing there. Um, so thank you again for everyone tuning in. I'm your host, Caleb. Have a good one.